This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to talk about a passage from Colossians chapter 3. Recently, I've been reading through the book of Colossians, and as I was reading in one sitting, chapter 1, 2, and 3, I really felt and sensed and noticed with, I guess you would say, new eyes in this instance, the building that was taking place in these chapters and the expectation of the way that God really invites us to live our lives. Because I'm going to read a section here from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. And there's going to be a a list of some positive characteristics that God wants us to have in our lives. And as I normally read through these, I've realized that what I do is when I see this list of things, okay, God wants, you know, here's the list from this passage. Paul writes, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And what I normally do, I've realized, is when I read a list like that, I kind of go into autopilot mode and I go, yep, okay, yep, God wants us to be good, do good, be nice. Okay, yep, got it, got it, got it. And I don't actually stop and think, no, this is what God is calling us to be all about. This isn't just a list of positive attributes that would be cool if we had that at work in our lives. It's not just something that's sort of an optional, hey, hopefully, you know, one day I can kind of live with compassion for a week or something like that. This is what God is laying out and saying, I want you to look like this. And so Colossians 3, starting in verse 12, I want you to listen to this kind of how I did recently with new ears, with a new expectation that this isn't just a list of a bunch of positive character traits that we may or may not want to have. This is really what God is inviting us to live like. So Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And when I read through this list, as I started to think through, okay, what does it look like to live with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. And do I know anybody that actually practices this? Do I know anyone that I can think of in my life that I can base my goal of looking like this on them? And I started thinking about it. And for a while, I I couldn't think of anybody. 
I started cycling through and thinking, okay, yeah, here's the people that I'm around on a pretty daily, pretty regular basis. Does anybody really look like this? And I could think of some people that definitely have some of these characteristics, but I started to think, okay, what does it really look like to embody all of these things? And I started thinking, I guess the best description, the best way to think about somebody who was doing all this stuff is that it would be a person who would be characterized as being a person of peace. And, you know, before I break down and look at what each of these character traits look like, I want to tell a story because my wife and I, I can't remember if it was earlier this spring or if it was last summer, but sometime when it was pretty nice out, we were out taking a walk through our neighborhood and there was a house that we would often pass that the house was on the outside disorganized and disheveled and just kind of crazy looking on the outside. It wasn't a well taken care of place. And the person who lived there had what looked like a bunch of different projects that they had started. And then that project got pushed to the side or something along those lines. And so they would just leave all the material for the project laying up against the side of their house or the side of their garage or really wherever there was space. And You've walked past houses like this where, you know, the the kind of cliche is having cars that they're working on out in the out in the yard. It wasn't anything like that, but it was along those lines. There were parts of, you know, if I remember right, little parts of car pieces that were in the process of maybe or maybe not being installed inside the garage. There were pieces of board or plywood or whatever. I'm not a construction materials kind of guy, so I don't know what that was exactly. But it looked like little home projects that were kind of in various states of either finding the motivation to finish them or having the know-how or something like that. So there's stuff just laying all over the place outside this guy's house. And one day as we walked by, the guy was outside and he sort of looked like the kind of person that you would expect would leave projects halfway done and unfinished and then just leave the stuff laying around. He was a guy that was kind of, um, I don't know, I guess unkempt. I don't, it wasn't like he looked like terrible, but he looked kind of wild and he kind of did his own thing and marched to the beat of his own drum. And as we walked past, he turned toward us and he clasped his hands together, almost like you do when you're praying, something like that. And he bowed and he said, Namaste. And as we kept walking, I can't remember if it was the first time this happened or the second time this happened. Well, first of all, it's not the guy that you're expecting that to come from, right? If you do yoga or if you're familiar at all with yoga, you've probably heard this word before, namaste. It's the greeting that came from, uh, I think it's Hindu or Indian culture. I, I don't remember exactly. And what that word means is that the divine in me 
bows to or takes notice of the divine in you. And it came from a guy that I never was expecting it to come from because this guy was, like I said, kind of a disheveled, disorganized, um, kind of a wild-seeming guy. And I, it threw us off. And as we're walking, we kind of got over the shock of it coming from the person that it came from. And then we started talking about the fact that for most Christians that we know, the idea of being greeted this way with the connotations that were associated with the word namaste would be really kind of unsettling, upsetting, would be something where you go, oh, hey, that's, that's more Eastern spiritual. There's something wrong with that. And as we kept walking, I was talking about the fact that I thought it was kind of wild that for most Christians, like I say, the first thing we do when we run across somebody who is making an effort. Now, I don't know this guy. I don't know his life. Maybe he says that. And then he's a total jerk other than just saying namaste. I don't know. But what we did know in that moment was that this guy was trying to be a person of peace. Now, like I say, maybe it was just with the greeting and maybe from there he's not living it out, but we don't know. And as we walked on by, I talked with my wife about how crazy it is that that would be a threatening thing for many Christians because we would start to kind of label him and go, oh man, he's probably one of those people that's like, Oh, don't step on an ant. Don't kill one of God's beautiful creatures. We're all part of God's creation. And we write those people off, don't we? Even though what he's saying is true, that we as Christians really do believe that God created this world, that God invites us to live in it, like Colossians chapter 3 says, as people of peace. But when we come across people who are trying to live as people of peace, we make fun of them, we write them off, we joke about it, and we say, oh man, they're so wrongheaded. What are they even talking about? All that Eastern mysticism, that's crazy talk. But what they're trying to live out is what God is inviting us to live out in Colossians chapter 3. Now, I'm not saying that it looks like that, but what I'm saying is that for most of us, if we're actually honest, we're not even trying to be people of peace. We're not even trying to be the person who, when we walk into the room, when we enter a conversation, When people see us coming, they know that we're bringing along with us peace, this sweetness of spirit, because we've sort of associated some of that stuff with people who are just naive, hippie, living in their heads and not in the real world. 
But I want to go through and I want to talk about these character traits that Paul writes about here in Colossians 3. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I want to go through and talk about what those ideas mean because we hear them and you know i was kind of thinking ahead of time like is there really a great way to define compassion or kindness we we sort of innately know what those words mean but to think of a synonym or a definition or something along those lines that's pretty tough and so i went through and got a little breakdown of some of these ideas. So compassion, the first one Paul writes about here. Uh, A good way to think about that is feeling with one another. And so the idea of empathy, the idea of when somebody else is going through something, I don't just think, oh man, that's too bad for them. I, I wish they weren't having to deal with that. We actually on purpose, put ourselves, not totally, but somewhat in their shoes and think, wow, what, what would that feel like? What would that mean would change about life? And then the natural response to that is if we're feeling along with another person, we start to think, okay, if I was going through what they're going through, What would I want somebody to say to me? What would I want somebody to offer or to do for me? And we have an opportunity in that moment because we've stopped thinking of things only from our own perspective. We've put ourselves in their point of view. We've started to see the world the way they see it for just maybe this brief moment. And we have an opportunity then to meet whatever need they're facing because of what they're going through. Paul goes on, talks about kindness. And we get what that is, right? But we can easily think of kindness and being nice as sort of the same thing. And so we think of being nice as helping somebody with something, doing some, holding a door open. We think of these super simple, really, really easy ideas. But another way to think about kindness is wanting the same thing for another person that you want for yourself. Wanting the same good for your neighbor that you hope happens in your life and in your family. And this isn't just a simple mindset shift. This is a totally different way of viewing the world than the way that many of us naturally do. Because it's really easy to view life and the world through the lens of scarcity. Thinking that there's not enough. And so I've got to make sure that me and my family and my loved ones are taken care of first. And I've got to get, there's only so much money out there. There's only so many jobs out there. There's only so much food out there or property or anything. 
and I need to make sure that I get it because I've got to take care of the people around me. But kindness invites us to open this field of vision, of perspective, of willingness to include others in our goals and our plans and the way that it looks like for us to love. And so we have to move from this, this worldview of scarcity to this worldview of abundance to understand that if we really believe that God is a good father who gives good gifts to his children, if we really believe that he cares about what goes on in our lives, and in that same way he cares about what goes on in the lives of the people around us, it opens us up to saying, you know what, I don't need to just look out for me. I need to look out for other people too. Kindness. Then Paul mentions humility. Now this actually wasn't a virtue in the Greek culture that he was writing and living in the midst of. And if we're honest, humility isn't really, for the most part, it's not a virtue in the culture that we live in the middle of either. What humility is, is having a modest opinion of our own importance, an accurate opinion of the abilities that we have, of the things that we can or have accomplished, of what we're bringing to the table in a bunch of different situations. Now, I grew up, and nobody ever taught me this, but I just sort of always interpreted humility as never really taking a compliment. And so if somebody comes up and tells me I did a good job on something at work, my natural response is just to say, oh, you know, it was nothing or it wasn't that big of a deal or I didn't do that great. I could have done better. Somebody comes up after a speaking engagement and they say, wow, that idea really connected with me. Oh, hey, that's awesome. You know, praise God. I'm glad that he used it, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I also uh, spend some time doing some painting and some other things along those lines, kind of in an artistic realm. And when I got done with some things, I'd look at the finished product and I would be proud of it. I would really like how it turned out. But then if somebody else said something and said, oh man, that looks really great. I, I really like that a lot. I thought humility meant I don't say, yeah, I like it a lot too. Thanks. I, I worked really hard on it. it. Turned out great. I'm really happy with it. So I would say, oh yeah, it's nothing. You know, I, I, I'm not very good at this. I wish I could have done a better job. I want you to think about that if that's your natural reaction. I want you to think for a minute because this is what helped me to shift my perspective on understanding what humility is. If I'm talking to somebody about, let's make it simple and make it one of these paintings that I did. If I'm involved in art in that way and somebody else is involved in art in some other way, and they're saying, hey, I, I love how this painting turned out. That looks really great. 
and I downplay it and act like, oh, it's not that great. What I'm saying to a painting or a piece of art that might not be that accurate or that well done, if they did it, I'm saying that their thing sucks. If mine is eh, even when I think it's good, what does that mean if something's not as good as that? And I started to have this shift in my thinking to understand that humility doesn't mean that I essentially lie to downplay something that I've done. It means that I have an accurate understanding, a modest opinion of my own accomplishments and importance. And I, I guess I spent more time talking about that idea than I was initially planning to, but I really think that many of us that have grown up in the church and been taught that humility is this positive character trait and that pride is the opposite of it and that we need to avoid that at all costs, I think we can easily fall into this way of thinking that humility means never saying that I did a good job with something, never being proud of my work, never being able to say, yeah, that turned out really good. Humility is instead having an accurate understanding of what we're doing, what we're bringing to the table. The next character trait that Paul mentions is gentleness. And one of the commentaries that I was reading talked about the idea that gentleness is how humility affects my actions. So if I'm thinking of myself accurately and modestly, and I've got a pretty good idea of where I stand, not, you know, not like in the pecking order, but where I stand in terms of what kind of abilities I have, what kind of things I'm able to pull off and do, and where my blind spots are and where I need help and where I need to reach out to other people, then when I act out of that place, the way I act is going to be with gentleness because I'm not spending time trying to inflate the way other people see me by doing things that try to bring that perception about, by downplaying what other people are doing so that it makes my thing look more impressive, by constantly trying to one-up other people. And when we live out humility, it looks like gentleness. And then the next two things that Paul talks about have that same kind of idea because he talks about patience and then he talks about bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And patience, that, that same commentary had this idea that patience is what it looks like when we're dealing with something in the present that's not going the way that we want it to go. And forgiveness is what it looks like when we're dealing with something in the past that didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Now, those two ideas, patience and forgiveness, those are 
big things that God invites us to. There, It feels really heavy to try to live that out, to try to let go of all the things that we can so, so easily hold on to because it feels right when something goes wrong for us to feel justifiably angry and upset and to get defensive and to start thinking about how that other person is a jerk and I can't believe that they did this and I, I, I'm going to just hang on to this. And what God invites us into is to live lives of patience and what naturally flows out of that is that we forgive other people. If we've got stuff, if we have grievances, as Paul says, that we've been holding on to. And then he says this simple, simple line, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That idea has been really hitting home for me lately. It's been really humbling for me. I think about the parables that Jesus told about forgiveness, about there's this one servant who owes his master an amount of money that he could never, ever pay back in his life. And when he's about to be thrown into a debtor's prison, he says, please, please, I'll work hard. I'll do everything I can. I'll pay you back. Please have mercy on me. And his master says, okay, I'm not just going to have mercy on you. I'm going to forgive the debt totally. And then that servant goes and finds a fellow servant that owes him a tiny amount of money compared to the debt he was just forgiven. It's not even, it's basically nothing. And he starts threatening this other fellow servant. He chokes him and he's going to throw him into prison until every last penny is paid back. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Obviously, Jesus tells this story to to set us up to feel like, oh, no way. I can't believe somebody would turn around and do that. And then he makes the connection between forgiving each other just the way that we have been forgiven. And when we keep that perspective, when we're reminded of how we've been forgiven by our Heavenly Father, the natural response out of that is to forgive. Because compared to what he has forgiven of us, what we're holding on to against other people, um, it looks like a drop in the bucket. And even as I say that, I'm totally aware that there are some of us who we've been through some really horrific stuff. We have been victimized by people that we were supposed to trust, supposed to be able to trust, I should say. People who claimed to love us and care about 
are good. We've been taken advantage of in moments where when we look back, we describe ourselves as naive, but really we probably should look back and say, no, that wasn't on me. I I was just trusting. I was just assuming that somebody else was acting with good or at least neutral motivation where they came at that situation with evil. And I, I shouldn't have seen that coming, and I don't want to live my life expecting the worst out of every single person because I want to see it coming before anything bad can happen to me again. I've, I think I've mentioned this before in a previous podcast episode, but I want to let you know that if you have been through something heavy and you're listening and going, I can't believe he's talking about forgiveness after what I've been through and trying to minimize and trying to act like it's nothing compared to what I've been forgiven. I want to say two things. First of all, um, this isn't my idea. You know, I, Pastor Andy Stanley, he says something a lot when you listen to him preach. He says, I'm not asking you to do this. Actually, I would never ask you to do this because it's too hard. It's too much. But God's asking you to do it. And so first I want to give you that reminder that if there's a part of you or a lot of you that is resisting or is angry or is tempted to turn this off and delete it and never listen to another idea that comes out of my mouth. Um, That's okay if you do all that other stuff. But don't walk away thinking that holding on to that bitterness and that anger and that hate, even if it all feels 100% completely justified, Don't feel like you can walk away from that stuff and you're not doing more harm to yourself moving into the future. Because the reason that God invites us to forgive is because he knows that hanging on to that burden, it doesn't work, doesn't make anything better. And in fact, what it does is it makes things worse. Because we're dragging the past into the present and into the future. And we're expecting that the way things have been is going to be the way things always will be. And what he's saying is, I forgave. Now I want to invite you to do the same. And if that idea of forgiveness is something that, not even something that appeals to you. Maybe it does, but maybe it's something that right now you're feeling convicted. You're feeling the Holy Spirit working in your life, and right now your heart is beating faster. I've I've talked about this 
before of feeling led by God to do something that I never would choose to do, that I never would want to do. If you're feeling that right now, if you're feeling God at work and going, yeah, I've got some growth in this area of forgiveness. I've got some work to do. But if it's too big, if it's too heavy, if you don't know where to start, I want to encourage you to reach out to find a Christian counselor in your area. If you're in West Michigan, winning at home is a great place that you can check out. I've worked with a counselor, Stephen Kreitzer, who I had on a previous episode. He and I worked through some forgiveness stuff, or I should say some unforgiveness stuff in my life. And it was too big at the beginning, and I didn't know how to even start. I didn't want to even start. But we see all through Scripture this reminder that just the way that God forgave us, we need to forgive other people. And it feels like too big of a burden. It feels like too high of a calling. Like, man, I'm, I'm not even trying to live a life that's that godly, right? If we're honest. Say, so if that's what he wants, uh, I'm out on that. I'd encourage you to reach out to somebody because what I've found as I've worked through forgiveness in my own life is that just like God's inviting us, you know, as I've talked about before and I'll talk about in the future, God gives us these guardrails. God gives us this way that he lays out for us to live not because he loves to see us suffer, not because he knows how hard it's going to be and that just excites him, but because he knows that on the other side of this tough stuff, on the other side of forgiveness, on the other side of confession, on the other side of restoring relationships, even though it's hard, there's freedom. And for some of you, this forgiveness, it's not going to look like restoring relationship because forgiveness doesn't mean putting yourself back in a situation where abuse continues. Forgiveness doesn't mean continuing to allow yourself to be an undefended target where someone with evil or malice or negative intention continues to cause harm and if you're in a spot where you don't know where that line is then a counselor definitely can help and I want to encourage you to check that out and whether you're dealing with forgiveness or whether one of the other or multiple of the other things in this list that Paul writes about are jumping out I want to remind you of what they are. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Those are the ideas right there that God inspires Paul to write about. 
and what it means to be a person of peace. So what God's inviting us to today is to start chipping away at that list, right? There's a few of them that I feel like I'm pretty good at. And there's a few of them that I feel like I've got a whole lot of growth left to work through. But what God is asking us to do is to not read through this list and go, yep, cool, a lot of good, positive ideas. I love it. But it's to actually emulate that list, to actually look like that, to actually live life as a person of peace.